Welcome to a breath of fresh earth, taking the commitment to a clean environment to the next level. Your host, Rick Friedman, will crown the climate hero and villain of the week, along with discussing worldwide environmental issues, showcasing new products designed with the longevity of our planet in mind, and putting the spotlight on the individuals making a big impact in helping the climate and pollution crisis through social media. Now, your host, Rick Friedman. Hi, and welcome to episode three. I was going to talk about fracking on this episode, but there's a special event in progress, and I wanted to make sure you knew about it while it was still going on. Fracking will be the featured segment on the next show. Instead, this episode is about the great nurdle hunt. When I was a kid, we had scavenger hunts. Last year, many kids played Pokemon Go, searching neighborhoods for Pokemon. What other things can you search for? Tick, 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 tick. Time's up. Did any of you say a nurdle? A nurdle? What's a nurdle? Nurdles are small plastic pellets. That's the raw material used to make items out of plastic. The nurdles are melted and formed to make the desired product. Nurdles are small. They're less than five millimeters in size, about the size of a lentil. They start out small, and over time, they fragment into smaller particles, and they take hundreds to thousands of years to degrade and disappear. These little pieces of plastic can be mistaken for food by smaller animals lower down on the food chain, even tiny animals like plankton. Once they eat them, microscopic plastic particles can pass straight into an animal's bloodstream and get stuck in their tissues. Unlike larger pieces of plastic, there's no practical way of removing these nurdles from the sea. This is why we need to stop nurdle pollution at the source. How do they get there? Accidental spills can happen wherever nurdles are handled or transported. This happens during production or during transportation or on the way to the manufacturers of plastic products and then again when the goods are recycled back into nurdles. They're so small, light, and most of them float in water and they're easily blown around or washed up into drains. Nurdles can find their way into storm drains and carried out to sea. Once they're in the sea, they spread quickly and widely, and as a result, you can find them pretty much anywhere, from the middle of the Pacific to the Arctic Circle. The estimated 24 million plastic granules, or nurdles, washed up ashore on the Amsterdam coast in January of 2019 was the result of a cargo spill. That's just a fraction of the unimaginable quantities of plastic pellets that are spilled into the environment by the plastic industry on a daily basis. Every year, more than 8 trillion of these microplastics end up in the European Union. And it's not just Europe that has a nurdle problem. Nurdles have been found in Antarctica and in the Arctic. Scientists have found plastic pollutants in the guts of just about every species. Yellowstone National Park is full of nurdles. Do you remember the movie from 1991 called A River Runs Through It with Robert Redford? It's about a father teaching his family the art of fly fishing on the Yellowstone River near Bozeman, Montana. 57% of the water samples tested contained microplastic. They should have called the movie Microplastic Runs Through It. You can find nurdles along just about any beach. The nice part about a nurdle hunt is you don't need a gun or a knife or a permit. All you really need is a bag to put them in. The Great Nurdle Hunt started a few years ago and runs until March 22nd. But there's no real nurdle season. You can catch them 12 months a year. Last year's nurdle hunt was a big success, with hunters finding nurdle pellets along the shorelines in 34 countries, finding millions of nurdles. You can start your own nurdle hunt. It's easy. Number one, head to a beach. Two, search for nurdles. Three, register your nurdles at nurdlehunt.org.uk and submit your findings. 
or you can search The Great Nurdle Hunt online and follow the prompts to participate. It's time for the Climate Hero of the Week. Our first climate hero is Dr. John Cook. Dr. Cook is a cognitive psychologist and founder of the award-winning website Skeptical Science and recently wrote, illustrated, and published a book called Cranky Uncle vs. Climate Change. The book is filled with pages of funny and informative, brightly colored cartoons written to help you confront climate deniers and put them in their climate-denying place. It's a perfect combination of science, cartoon drawings, and humor. Cook created Cranky Uncle as the member of your family who thinks he knows better than everybody else. And with the help of crowdfunding campaign through George Mason University, an interactive smartphone game called Cranky Uncle will be available this summer. I plunked down a few bucks to get my name on the credits. The game will be free, and I can't wait to download it. Skeptical Science is your go-to source for everything you need to explain climate change. It's on my short list of bookmark websites. Congratulations to Dr. Cook for his many years of service and his great sense of humor. 23-year-old Miss Mimi Osland started her website to provide a fun and educational way to help clean the ocean. Go to her website, freetheocean.com, and answer daily trivia questions. If you get it right, one piece of plastic is removed from the coastline and the water. And if you get it wrong, they still remove one piece. You can't lose. It's free and another example of our younger generation taking the lead against ocean pollution. People are playing from more than 140 countries. You can track your own stats, which gives you the percentage of your correct answers to the questions and the number of pieces you've helped pick up. And like all the best games, you can level up as you increase your score. I just logged in and got today's question wrong, but they still pull one piece of plastic out. The sponsor of today's question was Nature's Logic. So how exactly does this work? When you answer the daily trivia question, Free the Ocean funds the removal of one piece of plastic from the ocean and the coastlines. 100% of the ad revenue generated on Free the Ocean goes towards removing plastic. A nonprofit in Hawaii named Sustainable Coastlines removes the plastic debris. It's not too shabby for a 23-year-old, but wait, it gets better. Mimi is a longtime veteran of doing amazing things. When she was in sixth grade, she started Free Kibble, a trivia game along the lines of Free the Ocean. Answer the daily question, and Free Kibble provides kibble to animal shelters to help feed their hungry dogs. When I was in sixth grade, I spent my summer playing baseball and trying to collect the entire Topps baseball card collection. I did it, but my achievements pale in comparison to Mimi. Free Kibble has raised over $14 million. My baseball card collection is worth about $2,000 and has been sitting in my basement for decades. If I ever sell it, I guess I should donate the money to a local shelter, right? And if I did that 7,000 times, I'd catch up to Mimi. Does anybody want to buy a Willie Mays baseball card? It's in great shape. Way to go, Mimi. Another climate hero hard at work. You are an amazing young lady, and we're so proud of you. We need more Mimis in this world. Now it's time for the Climate Villain of the Week. I don't know who Nancy Beck is. I've never met her. She might be the kindest woman on the planet. But she makes the Climate Villain list today for using her position to help dismantle regulations while she was the senior director of the American Chemistry Council. She joined the EPA in 2017 and began working for the White House last year. Now she's been nominated by General Bone Spurs to head up the Consumer Product Safety Commission. Let me repeat that. She'll be in charge of consumer product safety. During her time at the EPA, Dr. Beck helped rewrite an Obama-era rule on a class of chemicals known as PFAS in a way that would make them harder to regulate. Those chemicals are linked to birth defects. 
She also helped scale back proposed ban on asbestos and methylene chloride, a deadly chemical found in paint thinners in favor of limited restrictions. This is just the latest in a long line of stains on the EPA's role to protect America from companies that are poisoning the water, land, and the air. A big boo for Dr. Beck. The 28th Annual Environmental Film Festival is in the nation's capital. It started on March 12th and runs through March 22nd. Please check the schedule to make sure that coronavirus is not altering the schedule of the events. The film festival is the world's premier showcase of environmentally themed films and the largest environmental film festival in the world, presenting over 100 films to audiences of more than 20,000 people. The top prize is called the Shared Earth Foundation Award for Advocacy, and this year the winner is Okavanga River of Dreams. The Okavanga in southern Africa is one of the greatest rivers on earth. It starts in the mountains of Angola, but unlike normal rivers, the waters don't run towards the ocean. Instead, the Okavanga flows inland through Angola and into Botswana, only to disappear completely in the Kalahari Desert after a journey of 1,500 kilometers. Previous winners of this prestigious award include Game Changers in 2018, Before the Flood in 2017, How to Let Go of the World in 2016. That's one of my favorites. Josh Fox was the director of that and Racing Extinction in 2015. They're all great. I've listened to Sir David Attenborough narrate documentaries for years. Blue Planet, Frozen Planet, Nature's Great Events, Planet Earth, and more. But I've never heard about the plight of the Tatuapa fish in the Sea of Cortez. There's a prize-winning film in the festival called Sea of Shadows. It's about the fight against Mexican drug cartels and Chinese traffickers who are poaching fish called the Tatuapa just to get its bladder. The Totuaba lives only in the Gulf of California in Mexico. People in Asian cultures use the swim bladder in a soup called fish maw, and it's used also in traditional medicine. I think I'm going to throw up now. One Totuaba fish bladder can sell for up to $10,000 in the Chinese market. Totuabas can grow up to 6 feet long, weigh 220 pounds, and live for 25 years. That's a big bladder. Oh, it's not that kind of bladder. Wait, what? Fish bladder is a thing? It's also called the swim bladder. The swim bladder contains gas, usually oxygen, and functions as ballast, enabling the fish to maintain its depth without floating upward or sinking. I guess I need to learn more about fish. And someone wants to eat this? I think it's time to go vegan. On the festival website, click on Watch Now, and you can stream dozens of short films covering a myriad of topics. Last night I watched several of them, and it confirms what I already knew. There are many people in this fight to save us from destruction and animal extinctions caused by mankind. I need to be in Washington, D.C. next year for the 2021 festival. Did you know we're on Twitter, too? Connect with us there and get involved. In a province of western China named Hotan, in a city that I won't even try to pronounce, that's the biggest loser in the air pollution real-time index report today. Burning fossil fuel already makes the area prone to dirty air. But today's absurdly high number of 999 PM10 is made worse by sandstorms. If you remember the scale from the air quality index, you'll recall that anything over 300 is considered hazardous. And with a number like that, everyone should avoid all outdoor activity. You don't need to be a genius to stay inside during a sandstorm, but still, this region is notorious for dirty air. The current PM 2.5 level is 387, and as I mentioned, PM 10 is 999. 
that's as high as the chart goes, so who knows how bad it really is. We've sent our Breath of Fresh Earth reporter, Wheezy McWeeklung, for an eyes-on-the-ground report. I hope it goes better than our last two attempts to speak with us. Hi, Wheezy. Can you tell me what's going on in Hotan today? I can't hear you. You sound like Darth Vader. Can you remove your face mask? Wait, that's probably not a good idea. Forget that suggestion. Get back inside the hotel and we'll try to talk to you on March 30th. Goodbye. In 1982, rocker Billy Idol had a monster hit with the song White Wedding. Who knew back then that Billy Idol would end up on a New York City billboard in 2020 encouraging people to turn off their cars when they're idling? New York City just started an anti-idling campaign with billboards featuring a snarling Billy Idol and the words, Billy never idles, neither should you. Idol is helping New York City launch a new anti-idling advertising and publicity campaign as part of a larger anti-idling initiative aimed at boosting public awareness on the harmful effects of idling, expanding enforcement of anti-idling laws, and encouraging people to file citizen complaints. In 2018, the Department of Environmental Protection started a Citizens Air Complaint Program, where individuals who witness and record a truck or a bus idling can file a complaint online and collect 25% of the penalty. That's $87.50 of a $350 fine. The goal is to encourage drivers to shut off their engines to reduce idling and increase accountability for commercial vehicles. I understand that. That's great. But I bet you you could make a nice living in New York City just driving around narking on people idling. I'm all for a cleaner world, you know that, but I don't know about having people collect a portion of the fine. Seems kind of weird. I've had a loaner car with start-stop technology, and I didn't like it. The car turns off if you've idled for a few seconds and restarts instantly when you touch the gas pedal. But if you're waiting to turn left with oncoming traffic on the other side of the street, you're sitting there saying, if this car hesitates while I'm turning, I'm a dead man. The car always responded immediately, and I'm still here. The concept is great, but is New York City going to pay to replace the starter on cars turning their cars on and off a gazillion times? The cost to replace the starter for my Mini Cooper is between $450 and $600. If I had to replace my starter because I turned the car on and off too many times, I think I'd give New York City a rebel yell. And without any money, money, for sure I'd be dancing with myself. Okay, okay, I'll stop. Rock on, Billy. You've got a lot of options if you're looking for a green web browser. Here's a few of my favorites. Ikura, Australian Adi Bakush and his wife Allison started the company after they moved to Kuala Lumpur, and learned more about ocean plastic pollution. They just started their business in January of 2020. Every search helps remove plastic and reforests our ocean floors. 60% of the revenue goes to Big Blue Ocean Cleanup. They help keep the oceans, waterways, and coastlines clean with teams of volunteers around the world. Operation Posidonia helps keep our oceans green by replanting seagrass meadows along Australia's coastlines and ocean floor. Ikura's big thing is they, they're powered by hydroelectricity. Ikura's servers are powered by hydroelectricity, and that's their niche. That makes the company as eco-friendly as possible because hydroelectricity generates less carbon dioxide than the servers at a place like Google. The browser I currently use most of the time is Ecosia. Ecosia's deal is that they'll plant trees when you use their search engine. Ad search ads generate income. 
Ecoja uses this income to plant trees. They say they've got 15 million active users and they've planted over 30 million trees. I'm up to 781 trees planted. Clicking on ads generates revenue, which is paid by the advertiser. Ecoja then uses at least 80% of the monthly profits to plant trees where they're needed most. And speaking of trees, did you know that Ken Chaplin planted 15,170 red pine seedlings in one day near Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, Canada on June 30th in 2001? Yeah, that's right. 15,000 trees planted in one day. That's a long day's work, and he's in the Guinness World Book of Records. Johnny Appleseed didn't stand a chance against Ken Chaplin. The first time I tried ice wine, I was staying in Niagara-on-the-Lake, just north of Niagara Falls, and I was hooked. Not too far from my home in northeast Ohio, they just finished the ice wine festival. Ice wine is very sweet, and it's about the only type of wine I like. My wine tastes are clearly not very sophisticated, and you can tell from this show I'm not very sophisticated, and I rarely drink beer or wine, but I love a cold Labatt's Blue or a glass of sweet ice wine. A friend of mine gave me a year's worth of beer for Christmas. Yeah, a 12-pack of Labatt's Blue will last me about a year. We're two months into 2020, and I still have all 12 bottles in the fridge. There's a big problem in Germany right now with their production of ice wine. The weather is too warm. To make ice wine, the temperature must reach minus 7 degrees Celsius, or about 19 degrees Fahrenheit. Freezing the grapes before they are crushed concentrates the sugar and helps make an intensely sweet golden wine. Ice wine is very expensive in Germany because it's a niche product and accounts for one-tenth of one percent of all German wine production. The warm winter this year in Germany means that for the first time in years, Germany will pr produce no ice wine. Maybe this is the issue that makes people take notice of global warming. Take away their alcohol and they're going to get real angry. If you don't believe me, listen for yourself. We have J.R. Hamalish on the hotline from Berlin. Sir, thank you for joining us. During these trying times, what is your opinion on the ice wine shortage? Scientists from the Max Planck Institute for Chemistry and the University Medical Center, Mainz, said that air pollution is killing more people every year than war, malaria, or cigarettes. In 2015, the study indicated almost 9 million people died due to air pollution. Smoking came up a close second, killing over 7 million people. Congratulations. Malaria was way down on the list at 600,000, and war claimed a little over 500,000 lives. Air pollution reduces life expectancy by 2.9 years. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Annie Kaznoff, born March 3, 1944. Miss Kaznoff works for the French space agency CNES, and since 2013, she's the director of Earth Sciences at the International Space Sciences Institute in Bern, Switzerland. Annie has contributed greater understanding of sea level rise caused by global warming. She's a member of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change and was the lead author of sea level sections for the fourth and fifth assessment reports. Ms. Kaznov was given the Knight of Legion of Honor Award in 2000. That's the highest French order of merit for military and civil merits established in 1802 by Napoleon Bonaparte. Way to go, Annie. Henry Wexler was born on March 15, 1911. He passed away when he was 51 years old in 1962. Flying into a hurricane is still a dangerous job, but it's relatively routine. In 1944, Wexler was the first scientist to deliberately fly into a hurricane. That must have been a great conversation around the dinner table. What are you doing tomorrow, honey? Oh, I think I'm going to fly into a hurricane. Okay, well, I won't be here when you get back. 
Wexler research helps scientists understand the effects of chlorofluorocarbons in the ozone layer. And last but not least, born on March 15th in 1926, was Harmon Craig. He died in 2003. I mention him today because his work laid the groundwork to understand how carbon sequestering in the ocean and atmosphere affects global warming. To think of all that Craig did during his life, imagine him as the Indiana Jones of Earth sciences. He scoured the Pacific Ocean looking for the crater of Lohi at a depth of a thousand meters, climbed into a caldera of a volcano in Ethiopia. He drilled ice cores in Greenland. He was robbed at gunpoint in Tanzania and shanghaied by gunboats in Zaire. Quite the adventurer, huh? Me? Uh, not so much. My greatest adventure was finding my way back to my group of friends who were playing paintball. I bet Craig wouldn't use GPS for directions if he was still alive today. Happy birthday to all these three great scientists. What is the dumbest creature on the planet? It's got to be the sea turtle. Can't even tell the difference between a plastic bag and its favorite food, the jellyfish. The turtle eats plastic bags floating in the ocean and then chokes to death. That is not a smart reptile. What about us? We build roads, bridges, musical instruments, and get to hear Stevie Wonder sing, I never dreamed you'd leave in summer. We build rocket ships that can land rovers on a distant planet. I mean, seriously, how can a person be smart enough to guide a rocket ship to Mars 150 million miles away? And then they know when to release the parachute, how to land it safely, and begin years of technical study on the planet and relay that information back to Earth. I have a hard time navigating the freeways around here in the summer when they're under construction. Take 480 East, follow the detour to Route 8, stay in the left lane. Your destination is on the right. I prefer my destination in November to be the one on the left. Reading a great book can change your life. Dr. Seuss's The Lorax changed mine. Another favorite is when Burt Lancaster had to choose to save a young girl's life or keep playing baseball in the movie Field of Dreams. Hey, did it just get real dusty in the studio? We fight disease, we cure cancer, we can even replace organs. We talk to each other from around the world without using a tin can and a piece of string. That's amazing. And yet, we are the ones that killed the stupid turtle. Thanks for listening. Be safe out there. Good night, Galileo. Thanks for listening to A Breath of Fresh Earth with your host, Rick Friedman. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you're the first to hear new episodes. If you want to nominate someone for Climate Hero of the Week, send it to Rick at the link below. This has been a breath of fresh air. Thanks for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.